All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Sheffy's Sandbox. And I don't know about you, but January has felt a little challenging. And in my case, nothing huge wrong, just a bunch of little stuff just adds up. But I hope this podcast is one of the highlights in your day. And if it is, then I would love to hear about it. Um, When I have days like today where uh, editing the podcast with Mercury Retrograde has been so difficult. Everything going on in the house is like keeping me (laughs) distracted. Um, Yeah, in spite of all that, if I were to hear from you that it's helping or you find it entertaining or maybe uh, hearing about my life makes you feel better about your own, I'm good with that too. Uh, Just drop me a line uh, and let me know that you're listening. So um, I would also be remiss if I didn't take the opportunity to tell you about my new Patreon page. I think I have set my goal pretty reasonably Um, for the entire year. I have the goal as being 200 and something dollars just to cover the cost of my website and my email address. And I offer two levels of support, the pom-poms, which are $5 a month, and the thunder, which is $10 a month. So um, I am already at, I think, 20% of my goal for the month. So if you want to and you feel called to do it, uh, you know, go over to patreon.com forward slash aprilific. All right. I hope you enjoyed this episode today. It's kind of lengthy, but um, not any more so than usual, I guess. So I would encourage you to check out the links uh, in the show notes. Throughout the podcast coming up, I'll be ref- I'll reference like an NPR podcast. It's called This American Life. And I have the link in there to that specific episode that I think would be really helpful. Maybe even before you listen to this one, if you want to pause this and go back and listen to that, that might be even more helpful. But anyway, I am so thankful for your time and attention and um, I appreciate your friendship. Thanks for joining me in Sheffy's Sandbox. I'm April D. Scheffler, and I invite you to play with me and my guest today, Joanne Rodriguez. Welcome, Joanne. Thank you. Glad in to be this here. This segment, uh, it's called Let's Grab a Drink. We pop into a virtual coffee house before hitting the beach. <laughs> And being the benevolent host that I am, your order's on me. So what order do you give the barista? A grande toffee nut latte. Now that you have your refreshing beverage, let's dive right in. This segment I have just renamed. I had an interesting conversation with my previous guest. And because of that, I'm I'm renaming this segment to... I think I know you from somewhere. So sometimes living one's purpose and going through the human experience can look like playing big. 
And other times it can look like playing small. But in your spotlight moments, have there been any claims to fame? Times that our listeners may have seen you or your work? So, for example, have you ever streaked across the field at a World Cup? <laughs> no. That kind of stuff. No, no, nothing <laughs> like that. No, not even close. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> Uh, have you ever been in an extra in a movie or been interviewed on the news or I don't know. I've been interviewed on the news. Um, God asked me what it was for and it was probably promoting the nonprofit. Most likely, uh, it was so long ago. I don't, I don't remember what I was on there for. Um, I used to own a, a collection agency. So that's where a lot of people that run into me. They remember me from from you calling them and saying hey where's the money <laughs> well i owned it so it was more employees remembering who i am not not the people i call did you actually have to make any of those phone calls yourself mm -hmm. mm. i did it was fun was it yeah it was fun <laughs> okay i think i i um i want to hear more about this because i that seems like one of the worst jobs is trying to collect money. Uh, what well, made it, it just fun? just depends on how you handle it. I mean, some, some people uh, are argumentative. I wasn't. I was more trying to help them get it resolved because it wasn't going to go away. I kind of went the nice route. I didn't go the mean route. And, and that worked better. Yeah, for me it did. All right. In this segment, it's called uh, Linguistic Tag. Guests are asked to uh, choose a word or phrase that they would like to hear used more often in everyday conversation. Something that doesn't get enough play or enough airtime. And the prior guest chose symbiosis or symbiotic. So you are tasked to try to somehow fit that word into our conversation today. Now, you okay. also get to choose a word for the next guest to dance with. And it could be a peculiar word that you find funny or something that just resonates with you. So what are you laying down for them to pick up? Fervent. Uh, and what is your attachment to that word? Why do you like it? It, it represents like passion. So um, that is one of the things that I have on, I can even show it to you, one of the plaques that uh, our, our highest donors uh, got this year. Thank you for their fervent um, service in helping our kids. So, um, yeah, that would be my word. You are here as a representative of the, well, founder and a representative of the nonprofit uh, Sunshine Through the Rain. And mm -hmm. if it's okay, as an introduction, I'm just going to read what it says on your website about it. Oh, go ahead. Mm -hmm. I think it's perfect. Uh, Sunshine Through the Rain is dedicated to helping children that have lost one or both of their parents by providing a safe environment for them to express and share their experiences and make new memories. We are an organization that provides the platform that most people need and look for when going through the grief process. They look for others that have suffered a similar situation they look for others that will understand the capacity of pain they feel. 
They look for friends that won't see them as damaged. And they look for someone that can just simply relate to the fact that someone they cared for so much is no longer here. When looking in their immediate circle, most won't find what they're looking for. That's where we step in and provide the environment for the process to naturally take place. With us, they will know that no matter how bad the rain gets, the sun will eventually shine through. Usually I will say um, like how me and the guests know each other. And uh, that's also pretty much basically laid out on the website. Um, yes. <laughs> is, that, is that okay if I read the uh, family Absolutely, story? Absolutely, go ahead. And I, was, I looked over it and I was like, oh gosh, this may be a little difficult to read. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, the hardest day in my life came June of last year. My ex-husband lost his battle with mental illness and committed suicide to end the pain. I was faced with the task of telling my five-year-old daughter that her daddy was gone. She was old enough to fully understand and asked for all the details I knew at the time. I will never forget her heart-rending wail when she was finally sure I was telling her the truth and not some horrible joke. Her dad had watched TV constantly as an escape mechanism from his anxiety and depression. I didn't want her to vegetate in front of an electronic device even more than before, feeling detached and alone. So in addition to the ballet she was doing, I signed her up for karate and Girl Scouts. As you can imagine, the little girl has had a busy calendar. Sure, she was socializing, but there was still one component missing. She didn't know any other kids like herself who had lost a parent. None of her peers could really empathize or understand. In that way, she was still very much different, set apart, alone in her pain. Her daddy wasn't there for her first day of kindergarten or when she had the father-daughter dance at ballet or donuts with dad at school or when she earned two belts in karate. My second husband does a fantastic job of being stepdad, but even he knows that he can never replace her daddy. The grief counselor told me that grieving is different for adults than it is for children. My daughter will grieve and process anew this loss at each de de developmental stage ahead of her. So as I was looking into bereavement and grief camps for her this summer, I came across Sunshine Through the Rain and emailed Joanne. It's not counseling or talk therapy, just kids having fun with other kids, but kids like them. My daughter and I joined them at last month's outing for the first time, and I thought it was great. This was the missing piece for which I had been looking. She's not alone. Other kids have lost parents as well, and it's okay to laugh or cry and carry the memory of your loved one with you in your heart as you carry on. This June marks the one year anniversary of her dad's death. Since then, she has started kindergarten, been displaced due to Hurricane Harvey, lost an aunt, and the list goes on. A lot of changes and adjustments. 
However, I want to thank Sunshine Through the Rain for being available to children like my own. They meet a special need. Our first meeting with the group was a gentle introduction, nothing, nothing earth shattering, but she made a few acquaintances with some girls and knows they are in the same boat as her. And I'm looking forward to joining even more events in the future. I think in cases of early bereavement, it's especially true, it takes a village to raise a child. I want my daughter to have a happy and healthy life, despite whatever the stupid statistics may say. Last year was, uh, there wasn't a lot going on because of COVID. Right, right. Last year, everything got canceled. Mm -hmm. every, every single event got canceled last year. There was not one until um, they ended up can canceling Shop of the Cop. It was canceled um, because of COVID. So when that happened, I was like, this is their favorite event. It's, it's the best one. <laughs> it's the best one of the year. So I was like, we're not canceling. Um, so I just kind of band-aided everything together and it came out really good, I think. It came out really good. Yeah, so tell our listeners about Shop with a Cop. Okay, so Shop with a Cop is um, an event that we have at Walmart. Uh, normally, Walmart uh, funds the, the event and gives each one of our kids, or at least 20 of our kids, uh, a $200 shopping spree with an officer. So they, the officer takes them shopping, they get to shop up to $200, and then um, they, they get their gifts wrapped and, and take them home. Uh, this year, they did cancel it, like I said. So we ended up talking to a manager over on the a different Walmart. She said, absolutely, you can have it here. And But their funds had already been depleted for the year. It was already October. It was the end of October when we found out. And um, <clears throat> the, the funds had been depleted. So we had to like immediately start fundraising for it. And then we, we band-aided the officers because it was in Fulcher and the Fulcher officers, we only, we were only able to get two and we needed about 15. <laughs> so we had an HPD officer, we had a Fort Bend as well. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of help this year, a lot of help to put that together. Life can be hard for kids for a multitude of reasons. Yes. So um, why this particular population of, you know, kids that have lost one or more, uh, one or both parents to death? Okay. So what, so what's the reason I started it is what you're asking me. Let's, let's go into why that. Why does it mean? Okay. So <laughs> this one is, it is a tough question. Um, I started it because my sister passed away. My sister passed away and left four kids. Um, at the time that she passed away, they were 10, 9, 4, and 3. Um, and my goal wasn't to start a nonprofit. My goal was to find a nonprofit that did basically what we do. Uh, and there wasn't one. The only thing that we could find was counseling. And counseling's great. Counseling's great. But um, they need more, I think. I mean... When you're nine and 10 years old, what are the odds that you're gonna know another child that has lost a parent? And 
even if if they do they're not walking around going hey look this happened to me did it happen to you too uh so it's hard to find those people so i needed them to know that it didn't only happen to them um there are a lot of other other kids that it, that it happened to so there's when they think it only happens to them they start thinking what did i do what if i would have did this and they play, they start playing the what if game what if what if i wouldn't have done this and what if i wouldn't have done that what if i would have did this instead and they start playing that game and and it gets it goes into a spiral to where they just start getting depressed and it's hard to get them out of that unless they have counseling. Um, but when you put other kids that have gone through a similar situation, and then on top of that, you put them in a fun environment where they can run and they can play and they know it's okay. Like my niece, one of my nieces, um, for like two years, she didn't want to laugh. She didn't want to smile. She didn't want any of that. And it was hard to get her to laugh or smile until one day I just asked her why. And she's like, well, if mom can't smile, I can't either. So putting them out there with other kids, she ended up running around playing and they were at a playground and, you know, they don't even realize that they're having fun until later. And then they realize it's okay. It's okay to have fun. It's okay to laugh. It's okay to play, you know? So that's why, that's why I do it. Was this uh, your younger sister or? It was my younger sister. Mm -hmm. Blood clots, just from one day to the next, her body just decided to start making blood clots and wouldn't stop. So yeah, it was, it was difficult. She, she fought it for a year. Um, the, and to tell the whole story, um, one day she had a pain in her foot and she just thought it was pain in her foot. And then the next day it was a pain in her knee. It wasn't a pain in her foot anymore. It was pain in her knee. And she was like, that's weird. My knee hurts now. And then the next day uh, she woke up in the middle of the night and it was hard for her to breathe. And she woke her husband up and she's like, it's hard to breathe. I'm going to go to the doctor in the morning. So there was like, okay. So she waited till the morning, went to the doctor and they did, um, I don't know if it was an x-ray or what they did, but she had a blood clot in her lung. So they rushed her to the emergency room and um, it just went from there. It was, it was so, it was horrible. Tell us how the um, ladybug plays into this. <laughs> ah, you're gonna make me cry. You're trying to make me cry. <laughs> okay, so the ladybug she was already she was she was already sick um she was on oxygen she couldn't if she walked four steps she'd have to stop for 20 30 minutes to to catch her breath and then she'd take another four steps and stop 20 or 30 minutes to catch her breath so one day she was on her on the couch at home she had her oxygen on and there was a ladybug that was in her house the kids were playing upstairs and um, every time it came around her, she would scream, you know, and then, I mean, it probably 30 minutes of, of her going through that. Then one of the girls came down <clears throat> and they were like, what's wrong? What's happening? You know, and she's like, there's a ladybug. So my niece just grabs it. And she's like, ah, oh, 
she grabs it and puts it outside and lets it go. So then me and my older sister wouldn't let, we ended up buying her little trinkets, little pillow pets and all kinds of little stupid ladybug things. And she's like, this is going to be a thing, isn't it? (laughs) You know, it was, it was just funny to us. Um, So we were making fun of her by getting her the, the little things. And then when it came to, Ooh, you're going to make me cry. When it came to the, to when she was passing away, she said that she was going to find a way to let us know that she's okay. (laughs) So be on the lookout for ladybugs. And as crazy as it sounds, constant, constant ladybugs when she passed away. It was crazy. Like my son, my her and my son used to, they were, they were each other's favorites, you know? And I mean, he just got inundated with ladybugs all the time, inside, outside, didn't matter where. It was definitely crazy. How does the idea of, you know, something that's in your head, like you, you're looking for something, you're not finding it, and you're realizing that if you want this support system for your uh, nieces, mm-hmm. then you're going to have to be the one that makes to do it, it happen, to make it materialize. Mm-hmm. So how does a, a nonprofit get birthed? Like, how does that come into being? Um, at the time, I had a lot of resources that, that uh, I could use. So in order for sunshine to the, through the rain to exist, it actually had to happen at the time that it happened. Um, because I had an attorney on, on payroll, you know, I had, I had everything that I needed. So it wasn't even that much of a thought to be honest with you. It was just, okay, well, this needs to be done. So let's do it. So go, you know, I, I just told him and he's like, okay, well, I'll go and create it. So I was like, okay. So it took eight months to come up with the name. It just wasn't, okay, I have the name. No, it was, we need to come up with a name. And everybody wanted me to call it Julie's foundation. Julie is my sister. And I was like, but that's not it. You know, I, I would know once I heard it, I'm like, once I hear it, I'll know that's it. Eight months later, was sound asleep. I woke up with it. And I was like, oh, I need to write this down because it's perfect. It was the perfect name. Um, But it was eight months later that the name came about. And it just, it makes sense. So what were some things that you wish you had known then that you know now, now that you're several years into this? Well, how much work it is, I'm glad I didn't know then. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I didn't know that then. Um, but all the work is definitely worth it. It's just, it's worth it. Um, it, it. It is difficult because when I owned my companies, the, the companies depended on me, on how hard I worked. So as long as I, I worked hard, we, I mean, it was it was a successful company on the nonprofit. I can work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. (laughs) 
it depends on other people and these people have to trust you because they're giving you their money and they have to trust that what you're doing with the money is what you're saying that you're doing with the money um so that's building those friendships and those those relationships is what is very time consuming so you have a board of directors right yes and um did you have that to begin with um well no i just i mean <laughs> honestly it was a thought in my head that just was like okay this is this needs to be done so go start it and when you start it you're supposed to have a, a board so the board can basically be anybody so some of them were my neighbors um cousins you know friends stuff like that but as time went on you kind of figure or find out who's really wants to be a part of it and who just wanted to be able to put it on the resume so what do uh what does the board actually do have you been able to um delegate a lot of what you were putting on yourself have you been able to delegate yes. that to make that a lot easier yes yes it's um it's refreshing to be honest with you but i think i needed to go through what i went through to understand how hard and how much work it is to to run so now it's it's refreshing to have somebody else say oh i can do that i'll do this and i'll do that <laughs> i'll take care of this for you and it's it's uh odd um, well i don't know the word um not really odd it's it's just refreshing it's it just takes so much pressure off of you that used to be there and that you're used to so you're used to that pressure so once it goes away it's it feels weird good good weird but weird so um sunshine through the rain i guess we didn't mention this but gener i think the goal was to have at least one social gathering for the kids uh once a month right that's the general generally mm -hmm. the plan right yes so, um, so january i usually try to January is the month where I, I sit down and I, I try to plan out the year. Um, and then it, it also lets me rest because October, November, and December are ridiculously crazy for me. Ridiculously crazy. I'm, I'm going from five o'clock in the morning till one o'clock in the morning. So very little sleep. Um, is that because of, of your your uh your job or the the nonprofit or both both combined with both. christmas and all of your personal life right right because i work i work the nonprofit doesn't pay me yet mm -hmm. we're not we're not there yet <laughs> um so all the money it does go to to the outings and and of course i mean there's there are expensive the website the the email addresses the just basic expenses that that come with it um but yeah it was it's both it was the nonprofit um and and work because i i work from nine to six sometimes seven so i get up in the morning i i try to network there's there's some networking meetings that are in the morning and then i go to work and then 
after work, you go network. And then um, once you, once I get home, it's, it's mainly answering emails, um, just researching, just, it's a lot. It's, it's a lot of work, but October, November, and December are, you know, I, we do the gift wrapping fundraiser at Katie Mills every year. So I have to get that, that settled. I have to have volunteers because I work. I can't be there, you know, the whole time now because we used to, I used to be there open to close every day for the two weeks and I can't do that now. Um, so I have to have volunteers. So getting everybody to volunteer and then having their schedules and then figuring all that out at the same time, getting shop with the cop uh, handled and squared away. I mean, it's just, it's a lot. So January is kind of like a break to, uh, January is definitely my catch up on sleep, <laughs> catch up on sleep, um, and plan, plan out the year because there's no other, there's really no other time that I have time to do it. So if I just scratch out January, to where there's no outing or anything like that for January, then I'm able to plan out the rest of the year. And there's a lot of changes that are coming this year. So we're trying to get that, that situated as well. Like what? <laughs> what kind of changes? <laughs> what do we have to look forward to? Well, um, when, and it's, it's, it'll probably still be in, in December. I mean, in February, it's going to be a, a smooth transition. It isn't going to be an automatic, um, but before the surviving parent or the guardian needed to come with the child. And what I've noticed, which I'm sure you have noticed as well, when they have their, their parent or guardian there, they don't really go and socialize a lot with the other kids. Mm -hmm. um, they just know that everybody there has gone through a similar situation, but their, their safety is there, their, their person. Um, so what we're trying to do this year is, is make it to where the kids get dropped off and we have them and, uh, then they can, can come be picked up afterwards. I mean, we'll have them for a few hours, so it's going to be longer outings this year. It's not going to be, you know, just the one or the two hours, um, because we want them to, to get to know the other kids and, and create those friendships and and stuff like that because the other kids are going to be able to help they're going to be able to help each other you know just from talking and the same thing with the parents too so we'll we'll uh, work the parents in on some of them on some of the outings but most of the outings I, I do want the kids dropped off um, and I think we'll have a lot more participation that way um, because, I can see that yeah yeah sure Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the times the, the adults have other plans, mm -hmm. you know, or they work or you know, it just isn't something that they're thinking that they want to do. They don't want to sit there and, and wait for the kids to go and play laser tag or they don't want to be, you know, they don't that want to go. That was a long, them. that was a long wait. <laughs> oh my God. The laser tag day. So much fun. They had so so much fun all the kids were like this is the best outing <laughs> yeah you know? and that was like they when did we come it. back <laughs> mm -hmm. they loved it but but see that's that's the thing so if 
if we have a parent that did go to one of the outings and then all they did was sit there and they didn't want to be a part of it and all they were doing was waiting, it's going to be harder to get that child back out because the parent isn't going to want to sit there for two or three hours waiting. Hello again. This is Nonsense with Natalie, season two, episode three. So I don't want to do those random silly jokes or riddles, even though jokes and riddles are very silly. I wanted to talk to um, about Sunshine Through the Rain. What has been one of your favorite um, activities with Sunshine Through the Rain? <laughs> I would, I would um, say um, you hated it because you've been with me. Um, but it was Blessington um, Farm, the rat cages. The rat cages. The rat cages? Uh-huh. What do you mean the rat cages? Remember we tried to go back and forth, back and forth, and the little tie. Oh, <laughs> I, yeah, those little tumblers yeah, that you had to tumblers. act like a hamster in a wheel and uh-huh. try to make it move. We did horribly. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty bad. But at the end, I did get a hang of it. I was embarrassing myself. <laughs> Same. Okay, what do you like most about Sunshine Through the Rain? Um, I like I like that it, it is an organization where people, um, kids or even teenagers have um, lost their parents. And even our motto is to break um to I mean to mend the brokenhearted. So I like that. I really like that part. Okay, is there anything that you would want to say to uh, Joanne? Um, thank you for doing this organization, um, and thank you. So, your youngest niece, uh, how old is she now? She is 10, fixing to be 11. Okay. I was just wondering if you, if you have an idea yet as to when you might want to step back, or if you already have like a knowing or a feeling that this is going to be like a long-term project like you're in this for forever (laughs) or or do you feel like you just want to get eventually to the point where it's self-sustaining and you can step back and have someone else is this your baby is this yes yes this i'm i'm this okay (laughs) i always say i was picked to do this I didn't pick this. This picked me. Um, This isn't the person that I was before. Just there. No. That makes me curious. Like, okay, so who was Joanne before? (laughs) Well, I mean, I was a lot. (laughs) Seeing me cry, nobody would see me cry. I mean, I, I just wouldn't. It just wasn't me. I was, I was harder. I was a lot harder. Um, but I was also a business owner. I mean, we, we owned a collection agency. So, I mean, it was just do this, do this, do this. You know, it wasn't, I was just, the easiest way to say it is I was a lot harder. You know, um, once my sister passed away, I mean, again, before nobody saw me cry. I mean, maybe my kids, every once in a blue moon, you know, it wasn't, like it is now and once once my sister passed away it was crying like all the time it's it's crazy i mean i already cried here 
you know, when I was, I was talking about the ladybug. No, I mean, again, my goal wasn't to start a nonprofit. It was to help my nieces and my nephew to, to get into something that would, that would help them, you know, go through, go through the process. And honestly, as long as it's taken for us to get to where we are, it probably isn't our, my niece, my nieces and my nephew that are going to benefit from everything that we're going to end up having to offer. It's just, it's just a slow, slow process. Um, but helping other kids and seeing what, what Sunshine Through the Rain does for them, it helps me. So it's kind of a little bit selfish, <laughs> you know, um, but it does. It, it, it helps me with my sister's death as crazy as that sounds. No, it doesn't sound crazy at all. I'm sure through the years you have uh, been surprised maybe as to what you thought would work and motivate people and raise money and didn't. And then what you might not have thought would work and ended up really taking off. Have you had any examples of that? Well, yeah. Um, raising money is, is hard. And I thought, I didn't think that was going to be hard. I thought that was going to be the easy part. Um, and at, at the very beginning of Sunshine Through the Rain, I wasn't really concerned about the money because, I mean, if we raised it, great. If we didn't, I paid for it. It wasn't, I had it at the time to where I could pay for it. So it wasn't, it wasn't a big deal. It didn't matter to me whether we raised it or if we didn't. But uh, once it got to a point to where now it matters because I can't, I can't pay for everything. We're, we're bigger. We have a lot more kids um, and we're growing almost by the day. Yes, I love when we get new members, but at the same time, we get new members because something horrible happened to them, you know? So um, it's like, yay, and then, oh, no, <laughs> that's not, that's not um, good, but I'm glad that we are here for them. I know I just totally changed the subject. We did kind of like the, the ice bucket challenge. We tried... Um, something similar to that where they would jump in jump in the pool it was either god this was and it did where literally two people did it <laughs> um and i had shirts made i had um a website for it the link to it and all this and two people did it so yeah i thought that would take off because it was fun um and it didn't uh i learned not to do that again, basically. It's, it's, um, it's hard to get something to take off like that. It's not as easy as, as you would think. Um, so our best way of, or form of getting money in is through the business relationships that I've, I've made. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's how Shop with a Cop was, was uh, funded. Because from the day that they told me that it was canceled, it was the end of October and I'm like, how are we going to get all of this in a month? Basically I needed it. I needed it for December 13th. Um, 
and we needed minimum, I mean, just minimum would have been 4,500 is what we needed. And we had zero. So um, just talking to people. And honestly, it was one person that came into the office where I work and I just mentioned it to him and he was like, and how much do you need? And I told him, he started sending messages to people. By the time he had left the office, he already had promises for $2,200. And by the time I left the office at the end of the day, he had promises for about $3,400. So within two weeks, I think we collected what we needed. And then the rest of the, the time was extra. Yeah, yeah, I know Natalie uh, had was asked by, I think it was her grandma, uh, something about, uh, yeah, what's Santa bringing you for Christmas? And she was like, Santa's a cop. <laughs> she didn't need Santa Claus. That's because oh. <laughs> she had a cop. <laughs> um, yeah, like one of the, <laughs> one of the kids, she's uh, five years old or six years old. The only time she ever sees me is with sunshine through the rain. So I had, I had her aunt bring her to um, the chiropractor's office because he's also a holistic doctor. So he does other things besides just cracking. Um, so the, the issue that she was having, I told her to bring, bring her to the, to the doctor's office. So, but she didn't tell the little girl, she didn't tell her that I'm there you know? So when the little girl saw me, her face just lit up. She was just like, like, and she didn't say anything. But when she went home to her cousin, she's like, I think Santa has his elves working because, because Miss Joanne was at the doctor's office. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, it was hilarious. But I mean, Shop with the Cop has a, a lot of benefits because it's, um, the the time that the kids have with the officers shopping it gives them a new respect for for officers like i mean the best story this year from from that was um one of the kids there's uh, she was eight years old they're new to the group um their dad had literally just passed away the week before and the first person that she saw was an officer and he scared her. So she was terrified when her mom told her that she was going to go shop with an officer. She's terrified. So they sat in the Walmart parking lot and she was screaming, begging her mom, please, I don't want to go. You know, um, once they came inside, she's holding on to her mom. She's shaking. She's crying. And then her mom told me, you know, what her fear was. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to send her with an officer. She's terrified of him. Um, I mean, where, was, where was the was, fear coming from? Just their, their dad had literally just passed away the week before the Sunday. I mean, we were there on a, on the Sunday, the Sunday before that they lost their dad. Um, and the first person that she saw, I don't, I don't know the extent of it. I don't know if he was like extremely direct in what he said to them. I don't know if he oh, was like so emotionless. First... So after her husband, uh, after her dad's passing, the first person they saw was an officer. Was the officer, oh, okay. right? Okay, so that's what kind of primed her to be really afraid of. Okay, right. Gotcha. So when she's there and she's crying, I'm like, well, I'm not going to send her with an officer if she's terrified of them. 
So one of us took her uh, shopping instead of an officer. And I want to say an hour and a half, maybe two hours in, the little girl comes up to me and she's like, I'm not scared of officers anymore. I forgot the, the officer's name, but it, it was the dog. Mm-hmm. The little mascot, know? yeah. Yes. I mean, she was, she was ended up requesting pictures with the officers. She was going around hugging the officers. So, I mean, it completely just changed her. Yeah, that was a good day. I mean, the pictures and the videos and stuff just don't, it don't, it doesn't do the, the day justice, you know? from being there and feeling it and hearing all the stories. I know you were gift wrapping most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, but I mean, the six-year-old, the six-year-old that remember I just said they were the new kids. The, the dad had just passed away the week before she had um, asked the officer if it was okay for her to wear the shoes that she was buying so she could break them in for her dad's funeral. Mm. So I'm like, that's, I lost it. I, I just completely lost it. I had to walk outside. <laughs> I was, mm -mm. that was just too much for me. You know, I mean, it's just, you know, or we know all the stuff that they're fixing to go through all the emotions, all the how long it takes and stuff like that. And of course, everybody has different stories, but the same you know it's different but it's the same i know there have to be a lot of people mm -hmm. who have a great idea that they want to turn into a nonprofit. um do you have any suggestions for them do a lot of research do a lot of research um there was there was a lot of times that that the nonprofit should have gone away it should have gone away. That's, I mean, I can't stress enough that I didn't pick this. It picked me. Um, I was definitely picked for this position. It, I definitely didn't pick it. Um, it's hard. It's difficult. It's hard to, to stick to it. Um, no matter how passionate you are about it, because it's, it's a ton of work. It's exhausting. But if it feels like work, then it, it wasn't meant for you if it doesn't feel like work then you can keep going and that's the main reason that it's still here is because it doesn't feel like work to me um in 2017 the nonprofit um should have gone away it should have um because i i had lost two people at the beginning of the year that just basically took me down I mean, just emotionally and just mentally, it just took me. And I was like, I can't do this. Um, so when you say you lost two people um, to death, death? They died. They mm -hmm. died. They died. And the entire year, the nonprofit hadn't done anything. There weren't any outings. We didn't get any new emails. We, nothing. There was no activity in, 2000, in, in 2017 at all. Nothing. Uh, there was no money coming in. There was no nothing. No outings happened. We weren't getting any emails for, for new people. Uh, so no one was researching, looking for a nonprofit that did what we did or anything like that. Um, 
So I had, I had already scheduled for everything to be shut down. Website to go down, emails to go down, everything. And three days before it was scheduled to go down, I get an email. One, the entire year. <laughs> and it happens three days before it's supposed to be shut down. Um, <clears throat> that the mom had passed away. They wanted to know if I could go and talk to the three kids. And I was, I couldn't say, mm, well, <laughs> you know, it's fixing to go. I couldn't do that. So I was like, of course I'll go. And they were in spring. Uh, and I'm in Katy, so <clears throat> that was that was a drive and um, went in there. I probably stayed there two or three hours, talked to the kids. At the end, I was talking to the dad. And um, when I left, I was just like, this is just what I'm supposed to do. It was, it was good. I mean, it was like, it's work, but it doesn't feel like work. You know, it's just what I'm supposed to do. So because of that, everything, I, I got everything back up to date, brought everything back up, said I was going to stop everything else that I was doing that was taking up my time and 100% was going to go to the nonprofit. So 2018, that's why 2018 was such a good year because I started networking. I didn't know anything about networking before 2018, nothing. And by the end of that year, um, I was on the committee of one of the networking groups. I, you know, yeah, I mean, it was just, it, it just kind of blew up and the nonprofit did great. It did great. It was just, it was just going to go away. Thank goodness it didn't. It wasn't meant to go away. It just, everything happens for a reason. Yeah. And it just, it wasn't meant to go away. It's supposed to be here. So when someone has researched all the ins and outs of how to set up a nonprofit and they are secure in the fact that it's their mission and it doesn't feel, even though it, they are committed to the work, they know it's not going to feel like work because it's fulfilling them at the same time. How do they know right. when they're ready to actually, that they know all that they need to know you don't. How do they know? <laughs> You'll never know everything you need to know. You'll never know everything you need to know. I mean, when I first, when I, when I sent the attorney to go, go make the company, he said, hey, you need a 5013. And I'm like, what's that? I didn't even know what, what that was, you know, but in order to operate as a nonprofit, you have to have a 501c3 in order for people to put their donations as a tax write-off. So yeah, that was the, you know, you just kind of learn as you go, or you can go to school for it. I would suggest going to school for it and not learning as you go, because learning as you go is hard. But again, if I would have known all the work when I first started it that I was going to have to do, I don't know if I would have started it. Mm -hmm. But if I went to school for it, it might've been easier because I would have known all the stuff, <laughs> you know? So when you say go I mean, to school for it, what kind of a program or certificate? You can go, go to school for grant writing. Again, it would make it, it would make it a lot easier. I would think just because you would know all the stuff that, that's coming, but I'm not the school type and I have no time. So I have to learn on the, on the go. 
I'm more on uh, your end of the spectrum because uh, I enjoy a certain amount of preparation and all that stuff. But at the same time, I, I just want to get in there. Like if it takes, Mm -hmm. if it's taking too long. Yes. Yes. I just want to get in there and like learn what I don't know and what I do know and just kind of go from there. Figure it out. And and figure it out along the way. But Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, the more prepared you are or the more knowledgeable people you have on your team who have bought into your vision, Mm-hmm. Um, the more the better the off. more helpful it is yes yes there was a couple of nonprofits where be, and, and it's rare it's rare to to find a nonprofit and still find the founder it's usually just it where it just evolves and the founder kind of goes away so it's rare to find a nonprofit that still has the founder so I've been um, blessed enough to be able to talk to a couple of founders that have helped me along the way like um, a mentor mentors for you right right actually only one actually helped me the other one was more I had to learn the hard way so you know <laughs> you do too um but, but I mean that's okay that's okay because I mean, it is it's a lot it's a lot but I mean if you have somebody that can just give you tips you know here and there and I mean, you don't always have to, to take them, but that one of the tips that I had gotten was about the board and it inadvertently ended up getting me to where most of the board had left. Remember I said it was mostly neighbors and, mm-hmm. you know, friends and family and stuff like that. Wasn't a lot of help. They would go to the meetings and we'd, we'd have the, the sit down conversation and we'd brainstorm a lot. Uh, but it was mainly me that was doing the work, all the work. And then talking to one of the, the founders that actually was helping me, she said, one of the things that the board needs to do is because they believe in your cause and stuff like that is, is donate to the cause as well. She did is she had uh, her board, they needed to either raise a thousand dollars or donate a thousand dollars. Raising a thousand dollars really, I mean, it's not that hard. It's not that difficult, you know? So I brought it to my board at the time and most of them went away. (laughs) Most of them went away. They're like, can't believe you're doing this and you know, stuff like that. And it's like, but we're fixing to have a fundraiser you know, just raise a thousand dollars, but no, they wouldn't because they weren't planning on being at the fundraiser or helping with the fundraiser. They're just, I guess, I don't know what they were doing, to be honest. I think it was more for my, my satisfaction that I had a board that I could run ideas past, I see. you know, so <clears> by doing that really a board. So that by doing that minimum of a thousand dollar donation or fundraising, uh, they feel a lot more invested as well, I'm sure. Right, right. But I mean, if, if you're going to become a board, a board member or a committee member of, of a nonprofit, the nonprofit should mean a lot to you t- to begin with. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're going to donate some of your time to help it and help it grow to where, you know, it needs to, it needs to be, then you need to be committed. and again, the people that I had weren't, but I, I can't be mad at them. I'm not mad at them. 
because it's, it's my vision. It wasn't their vision. They were just trying to help me mm-hmm. the best that they could. Right. Um, and they wanted, and sometimes that takes time to find the people that are supposed right. to be on your team. And so they were, Oh, it's taken me a long time. <laughs> they were the, the, these uh, important placeholders, I guess. Right. Right. It's, it's taken, it's taken a long time to find the people, one with the extra time, two that believe in the cause, you know, and three that will listen to what you have in your, because I have it all in my head. I don't have any of it written down. I have it in my head. And all I do is explain, this is what I want. And then they start raising their hands. Okay, well, I can do this and I can do that. And I have somebody that can do this, you know? And it just, it just takes so much pressure off. It's so refreshing. I think we've kind of already touched on this before, but what would you like to see <clears throat> Sunshine Through the Rain become? Like, what is your vision? Um, maybe you feel like you've already reached a lot of it, but um, what would your golden dream for sunshine through the rain okay so we haven't even touched on our goal (laughs) we haven't even i mean there's so much one i want it to be national because it's it's not just in texas where people lose their parents it's it's definitely everywhere so i want it to be national I want um, a facility where they they can go and I want like a campsite where we can have bonfires and, you know, counselors out there. I want them to, like if they're interested, like, um, I don't know if Natalie's in dance. I think she is, correct? She's, She's in ballet, ballet and yeah. dance and stuff like that. So I want to be able to have sectioned off. I want like a dance teacher where they get, our kids uh, get taught for free, but they can have outside uh, students come in that do pay them, but their rent is free. They get the facility for free. I want the dance teacher, I want a boxing class, I want guitar lessons, I want gymnastic classes, just anything woodworking, just to give them purpose you know I mean some people some of some parents can't afford to send the kids some people don't want to send the kids some people are still grieving and they don't know how to help the kids like with the woodworking and um maybe with like car repair and stuff like that depending on what parent was lost you know sometimes that parent what goes with them is all of that knowledge that mm-hmm. was contained in them and so you don't have someone teaching you how to change the oil in your car or how to change a tire or right. um you know how to do some basic sewing you know whatever it is that you know that parent could have taught you i can see how that would be a really really cool thing mm-hmm. for the i mean i want farming i want you know all of it just it's it's kind of like the outings now you know i mean when we when we would take the the symphony when y'all went to the symphony mm-hmm. we went to the symphony with with some of the kids um as as one of the outings and most of the kids hated it but there was the one where he was like i could see the movie happening 
you know, just from the music. He could see the movie in his head, you know, and he was so excited and he loved it. And it was one of the kids that you would have thought would have just hated being there, you know, and he loved it. So it's okay that all the other kids hated it. It's not for them, but it was for him. And he might end up being, you know, somebody that, that ends up studying that and goes into that. You don't know. You don't, you don't know what, what changes somebody's thought process, you know. But if he would have never gone to the symphony, then he wouldn't know. So that's kind of what my goal is, to, to have all those things to be taught and they get to kind of feel, put the feel in, you know. I mean... If you never try dance, how do you know you don't like it? But a lot of the the parents and guardians will ask the kids if that's what they want to do. And nine times out of 10, the answer is gonna be no. But how do they know the answer is no? Unless you take them and you let them try it, then they don't know that they don't like it. Just, I mean, Unless they don't Unless they're my know. kid who wants to try everything. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> At least good. Once. <laughs> that's good though. Because a lot of the kids, most of their answers is no, it, especially the older they get when they lose somebody, the older they get, if you ask them, do you want to go to the movies? No. Do you want to go to the store? No. Do you want to do this? No. Their answer is always going to be no. Don't ask. Just, you're the parent. <laughs> take them. Just take them. It has reinforced what I had heard that at every stage of Mm -hmm. development they're going to process it in a different way and so now that she's um nine she's processing it on a more uh, mental level as opposed to when it happened when she was five you know so she is having to um, at least I knew that going into this so that I wasn't like okay we're out of the woods you know she's dealt with it once you know no, right, we're, no. we're done no, no, it's going to, you know, it's going to keep coming up in different uh, reiterations. It's just going to be Forever. looking different. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. Um, it just, it, it doesn't go away. It doesn't go away. That's her dad. Mm -hmm. You don't forget that you have one just because you get older, you know? So yeah, it, it's forever. It's not, it's not something that, I mean, even adults that lose, lose their mom or their dad at a later age, you know, they can be 40 years old and they go through, they go through it, you know? I, I was thinking about this before leading up to this conversation. There was a, a woman I had worked with and she was probably in her 50s, late 50s, when uh, she lost her uh, last remaining um, parent. And she's like, I'm an orphan. And um, some of, she has a good relationship with the coworkers. And one of the coworkers was like, hush, you know, you're not a child. And she's just like, it doesn't matter. You know, definition mm -hmm. of an orphan is, you know, both parents are dead. She's like, I'm, I'm now an orphan. And, and she kind of said that a little bit tongue in cheek, but not really. I mean, there was still right. definitely a loss there that you're right. I mean, it doesn't just affect kids. So. No, it doesn't just affect kids. It, but it affects kids in a different way because that's their, 
that's their every day. Um, and, and okay. So there was one time where we did have a table set up at, um, life gift. So life gift is, is where, um, the, the deceased donate their, their organs. Mm-hmm. And then the family ends up the life gifts gives gives the family a ceremony and gives them like a little medal with flowers and stuff like that. So I had a table set up there and at the end they come out, you know, and kind of go around see who's there and stuff like that. And there was this one family where it was the mom and the little girl. Cause I had a, I, I have pictures of what we do and stuff like that, you know, the outings and, the little girl was, she was like, Oh mom, look, you know, this, this would be fun. And you could tell the mom had been crying in the ceremony. Cause it's, 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 it's a moving ceremony. I mean, you can't not cry when you're in there. Um, and I think she was upset that the little girl wasn't crying. She was more upset that she wasn't hurting. And I'm, I'm like, if she was hurting, you would be trying to take that hurt away. You would want her to be happy and you would want her to be okay. But because she wasn't hurting, she wanted her to hurt. So she was more upset that she was looking for looking at, at our group and it was fun stuff, you know, for the kids that she was upset with the little girl that she wasn't hurt. And I'm, I wanted to take her to the side and go and talk to her, but it just wasn't the time. It wasn't the time or the place for that because just because the little girl wasn't hurting at that moment doesn't mean that at six o'clock when the dad's supposed to walk through the door and he doesn't, she doesn't hurt, Mm -hmm. you know, at that moment, her, her life was, was the same. So it wasn't different. It was normal for the dad not to be there at that time, but you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I think it's just important to uh, acknowledge, uh, first of all, people grieve differently and at different Mm -hmm. times. And uh, there's no, um, I want to almost say pissing contest as to, you know, who, (laughs) who's hurting more or, you know, who loves this more, you know, uh, we all, everyone's relationship, it could be the same person. You've lost the same person, but that relationship is different between every single person. So it's going to be, have a different flavor. Um, There's going to be a different dynamic missing. And so uh, my grief over that, um, over having lost my ex-husband, married to him for 13 years, was going to be a lot different than my five-year-old's, you know, experience of losing her dad. And so I think it's important to both honor what your own grief is and uh, support everyone else, uh, whether or not at that moment they're, they're feeling what you think they should be feeling. You know, there's a lot of shoulds, you know, that, that go on. I I'm going to be linking in the show notes, um, a podcast episode that I heard that I did not realize I was going to need uh, for myself. It was uh, about, um, children having lost a parent. And so I had heard it on NPR or something like that. And so 
And again, this was before 2017. Um, so I had no idea that I was going to personally need this information, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. it came into play. And one of the things, the important things was, is um, whatever the, the child, whatever the child wants to know, you need to tell them because we have this inborn uh, mechanism that we want to protect them and shield them from the pain. Mm -hmm. And, um, but what it, that does, if we kind of shy away from the truth or not tell them exactly what it is that they're wanting to know, um, that uncertainty breeds um, them questioning themselves. And that speaks to what you were saying earlier in our, our conversation about um, kids, if they're not with other kids, they start to think, you know, maybe it was my fault. Mm -hmm. And so that's what this um, podcast had said is that if you kind of just try to say, oh, you know, someone's in heaven now and not tell them exactly what they are ready to know, then um, they're going to fill in the blank with them mm -hmm. being the problem. Okay, mm -hmm. well, it was mm -hmm. me. I did this somehow. And so when uh, my ex-husband committed suicide, um, I think a lot of people uh, were shocked that I told my daughter the details and that's because she wanted to know. And if she hadn't have asked questions, um, you know, I wouldn't have, you know, felt like I had to tell her the stuff, mm -hmm. but she was at a place where she needed to know. And so I had told her in this conversation, wow, this is, difficult. I told her that, oh God. Anyway, she asked, did you see him? You know, how did you know? And I'm like, no, I didn't know. I heard it from this person. And then she had to like trace it back. Well, how did they know? Did they see him? You know, mm -hmm. dead. And so she was smart enough where she had me trace it all the way to the police officer who found him. And so it was then that she was like, you know, wow, this is, you know, it's not some game. This is true. Um, and whenever she would ask about, you know, how he did it, um, and she asked very specific questions. And because I was prepped with this NPR uh, episode with mm -hmm. experts in child trauma and all that stuff. You know, if they're asking, they need to know. And so I told her all that stuff. And I think I am trusting that because I have been open with her about his mental illness and things like that and been open with her as to accepting her feelings and not telling her what she should feel. Oh, don't, don't feel sad. Purposely not talking about it. Not sharing not what you're thinking about. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean the kids, you know, once they, once they ask you a question, don't try to shut it down. Don't try to shut it down because you're trying to shield them from, from hurting or from crying or whatever. Crying's okay. They need to, they need to cry. They need to let it out somehow. Well, sometimes they need to see you cry too. Right, right just her seeing other, you know, how other adults 
deal with grief in a healthy way mm -hmm. is great because sometimes we have mm -hmm. role models, um, but not for mm -hmm. grief because we've, as a society, been taught to stuff our emotions. Mm -hmm. We've separated ourselves a whole lot from, from death and we don't have a role model in a lot of ways for grief because we've been mm -hmm. told that you know, don't cry, you know, your loved one is in heaven and, or they're in a better place, in a better place. So many people had told me that my sister was in a better place to where it got to the point of if one more person tells me that, <laughs> you know, we're selfish people. And that, that's what I, that's what I ended up telling people. I'm like, look, I, I get that she's in a better place, but I'm a selfish person and I'd rather have her here, you know? So that one of the worst things to tell somebody when somebody, and, and I get it. You don't know what to say. You don't know what to say. So the first thing that comes out, oh, he's in a better place. They're not in pain anymore, you know, and this and that. And maybe some people do need to hear that, but all I needed was, I'm sorry, your sister's gone, you know? Yes, That's it. Exactly. That's all I needed. Yep. I didn't need all the stuff that you think needs to be said. It just, I'm sorry, your sister's gone. That would have been fine. <laughs> just that. Right. Or just sit there and cry with me. Don't say anything. <laughs> just cry with me. I'm, I'm good with that too, because I know you don't know what to say and it's okay to not know what to say. Just don't try to, you know, think of what you think is supposed to be said. You probably do this as well, but when, um, people want to, um, see how they can best help Natalie. Um, I always encourage them to spend time with them, time mm -hmm. with her, like shower her with experience and time because, you know, that's one of the things you realize from losing your parents so early in life is that time is not promised. Uh, you mm -hmm. never know what's going to happen tomorrow. Natalie has asked me, She's wanted reassurances that I'm going to be there tomorrow, you know, or whatever. And so going back to being realistic and comforting at the same time, mm -hmm. like, you know, we never know what's going to happen, but we're sure as heck going to make the most of it, whatever time mm -hmm. we do have together. And so she'll worry about losing her, um, her Mimi. So I'll, I'll like in those moments, I'll be like, you know what? while you're thinking about her, like if you're thinking about Mimi, call her, you know, let's, let's call her right now and talk mm -hmm. to her because, um, there's no use trying to have borrowed time from tomorrow, you know, that may mm -hmm. not be there. And there's no use like regretting what you didn't do in the past mm -hmm. when someone's already gone. So all we have is the now, the present moment. And so if you're thinking about someone loving them, you know, send them a text, call them, you know, make mm -hmm. an appointment to spend time with them because that's what we have. That's the only thing we have control over right. what we're doing in the moment. Yeah. Spend time, take pictures, you know, do things. Yeah. So even though Natalie has a, a, a closed Facebook group where I share pictures and stuff like that, mm -hmm. and some people will, will post, um, it's not, and uh, it's not a substitute for actually spending time with her and talking with her and, and that kind of stuff. So I always encourage people to, 
pick her up for ice cream, you know, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, make those memories. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the best, best thing to do. I mean, that's kind of what I was trying to get to before when you ask the kids if they want to go to the store. Um, I do have a family where that's what they do. They ask the kids and it had been years, years where the kids hadn't gone anywhere or done anything. And when I say hadn't gone anywhere, I mean like even to CVS, they hadn't gone to a store, they hadn't gone to anywhere. They went to school and they went to their room and that was it um, because they were given the opportunity to to have the, the choice. Mm-hmm. The, the choice of saying yes or no. So when you're in control of that, and you're not the happiest person in the world. And in your mind, playing a video game in my room is going to be funner than going to the store. Um, their answer is going to be no. And they would respect like- that answer. So there was a time that they had ended up going to the store with another family member. And they were like, wow, you know, look at this and look at that. And we're like, it's CVS. What are you talking about? What's wrong with you? You know, but it's because for two, three years, their whole, everything that they were seeing was inside of a school or inside of their room. And that was it. Oh, yeah. So like in that that part I read, um, yeah, I was so not wanting her to get locked away, you know, inside her head or inside a bedroom or a video game console that I wanted her physically, actively engaged with other people, That's very physically important. being, you know, physical beings. And so, yeah, so I had to put her in Girl Scouts and karate and ballet. And I do, oh, I stay, busy. I stay extremely busy, busy but mm-hmm. I, I have felt like, and I can do that because she's my only child. And so, you know, if I had more than one, I probably wouldn't have the time or energy or resources to be able to afford doing that for more than one child, but you know, it's just her. And so I can do that. And I have really, that's been my, my goal is just keeping her active out of her mind space um, and just interacting Mm -hmm. with people and keeping her heart, you know, open and loving Yeah, I mean, that's even for us, even for us, when you lose someone as, as an adult, if you keep busy, your, your mind isn't, isn't there. But the second that you're in the car driving home by yourself, all you do is think, you just think, and then it hurts and you cry and you hurt, you know? So keeping yourself busy is, is what most of us end up doing for ourselves. And we forget to do that for the kids they're going through the same thing and it's hard when you're the grieving parent to take care of grieving children because you're grieving and you're going through it so that's where that's where it takes a village you need you need other people to come and and help you as well you can't do everything by yourself and most of us have to yeah i have been very blessed where um i have people who are especially her her Mimi, you know, is willing to like see her so often. And that's really cool because there was that link before um, her dad's death. And um, so this is his mom that, you know, they were, Mm -hmm. his mom and Natalie were really close before he passed. And 
you know, that's not my mom, you know, it was my ex mother-in-law. Mm-hmm. And so, but I felt like that connection was so important because mm-hmm. if, with, upon his death, if I just kept her to myself, you know, then she would have not only lost her dad, she would have lost uh, a grandma too. Mm-hmm. That was really important to her. It was a strong connection. So, um, it's good that you really did that. It's she's good that you in the picture, mm-hmm. and um, I get time to myself, uh, mini weekends where I can do my podcast or other boring things like Natalie likes to call them. <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, just allowing people to help that can be yes important. All right, Joanne, how can people find out more about you and follow what you're making in your own sandbox? Sandbox being your field of activity. So whether you make uh, crafts or you have a website or you offer a personal service or in this, um, in this context, it would be basically just give us the website <laughs> for Sunshine Through the Rain. So it's sunshinethroughtherain.org and through is spelled T-H-R-U. And you are also on Facebook as well with that same Mm -hmm. same name. Sunshine Through the Rain. Um, Put those links as well as your email address in the show notes. I guess besides Sunshine Through the Rain, is there anything else in your sandbox of life that's that's going on that you're building or creating? (laughs) I work a lot. I just work so much. So no. <laughs> um, it's, I mean, my, if it has to do with a nonprofit, I drop whatever I'm doing and, and uh, do that. So I do a lot. I do a ton of networking. Networking is important. It's important. And um, staying in, in front of people with it is important because just because you meet somebody one day doesn't mean they're going to remember you in, you know, three weeks. So that's where the relationships come. You, you have to be there to create these relationships. So it's a lot of, it's, I work a lot, <laughs> basically is what it is. I love how in the Lifestylist podcast, Luke's story ends his pods asking his guests this question. So I'm including oh, no. <laughs> it in my, in my podcast. Who have been three teachers or teachings in your life that you might share with our audience that they could go research and also learn from? Influencers and stuff like that. I yeah. really don't. I really don't. I just don't have time to, to sit and, and research them myself. Um, I like Grant Cardone. Uh, I listen to, to some of his stuff when, when I get a chance. Um, I've read a few books on entrepreneurs and stuff like that. If you're going to ask me a specific one, I, I'm don't, I don't know. So no, I, I don't have a lot of inspirational stories or, or things like that, that I've gotten or been taught from other people. And it's just mainly because I don't have time for it. I wish I did. Um, because it, it does, it makes you more well-rounded and it helps you with a lot of stuff that, that um, you're going to face. Um, but like I said, most of the time I, I end up facing it on my own and it's, it's a surprise. <laughs> so life um, is your teacher. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
I have zero time. <laughs> Well, Joanne, thank you for making time today and joining me in Sheffy's Sandbox. Uh, I'll be seeing you uh, again soon, I'm sure. So mm -hmm. much love. Thank you.